This is Raz, and welcome to the Razcast. What is this? This is armchair conversations with people from different walks of life about different topics like art, life, spirituality, technology, and whatever else comes up. This is both the documentation of life and excuse to talk to friends. What's up, guys? This is Raz, and on this episode, we have Mr. Billy O'Connell. Uh, Billy is a friend and a professor of mine, slash mentor, whatever it is. Uh, we talk about just a lot of different stuff um billy is as he says a artist manager coming from the music business uh record label refugee and he is just a breadth of knowledge and always an interesting person to talk to and different stuff so i hope you guys enjoy uh this first part it's a two-parter and yeah guys remember to subscribe and yeah hi welcome back to the Razcast. uh on this episode i have my good friend, mentor slash late late person, uh, Billy O'Connell. Oh, we're we're going there. We're going look, there. I can, that, I that can quick. St- it just look. the whole interview goes to hell in a handbasket right now, just because you can't let sleeping dogs lie. You can't just let me go with my tardiness in a graceful way. Look, you made fun of the point that I say axe instead of ask. So, well, yeah, because I like I like my friends to be literate. You know, what can I say? Look, man, I have an accent. Uh, <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry. <laughs> you have an accent. Yeah. Anyway, so t- inform the, the listeners about yourself, Mr. O'Connell. What you do, who you are. I'm a, uh, I'm a father of four, uh, a homemaker. <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, and I'm, I am an artist manager, um, refugee of the record business. Uh, I am in the music business. Um, I was uh, a label manager at Sire Records. I was a talent coordinator before that for a television show that aired on MTV for a number of years. But I really fell in love with and connected with artist management as a as a thing that felt more like a calling uh, because I, it, it allowed me to live in the service of artists and to and to advocate in a in a more pure way for all things artist business. You know. And, and so I, I gradually migrated into that sector of the business and, and made my reputation as an artist manager and as, a, as somebody who, who got into alternative models of engagement between audiences and creators. That's a really good sum up. I wish- <laughs> it was all over the place, to be honest, but okay, I'll take it as long as I tick the box. You say that, but that's literally almost like word for word for what your uh, your uh, your thing starts with on your on your bio for your website. Oh, great. Okay, I, maybe for a reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, because as uh, because you know, basically, this is my excuse as I put the description and beginning of me to uh, just talk to people and ask questions that I want to ask them. So, for one. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> This is a question I've always had since, because I went, this man is, was a professor. Are we allowed to swear on this project? Yes, you could swear, oh, okay, you good. could tell, yeah. you could say uh, spoilers uh, okay. to shows. There's no, uh, no I don't have, I don't, I don't plan to have advertisers ever for this. Okay. That way I can say whatever I want. Okay, good. My question to you is, why did you not side hustle when you had the opportunity, i.e. when you went, uh, managed the, who is it, the Pixies and... Uh, throwing muses because as I understand the story and as, as I was told in college by you was that you, you know, you were chilling, 
you you basically had no actual expenses because everything was paid for by the record company, i.e. Oh, you mean you mean that. prior to managing when I was still yeah. employed by by Warner Brothers? Yes. Why did prior I what? Why did I why did I not just side hustle? Yeah, you should have just side hustled. Mm. That is what me and my cohort decided after hearing mm. that story. So mm. why didn't you because just side hustle? Because the money hustle? was good. The bennies were good. I could have just side hustled management. Yeah, man. Um, because there was an inherent conflict of interest there. Uh, and, and the way that I got into managing Muses and Pixies was that their then manager required a partner. And he proposed a partnership to ah. me. So if I left... If I didn't leave Warner Brothers, I would then be employed by a by virtue of this new partnership with someone who who was managing a a band on Electra Records, which was a mm. sibling label, but also one of the artists on my own roster. And so I would be working as a manager for an artist that I was serving as a label manager for. Plus that, I don't know. I, it's also not really my style. Like I, I like to commit to things. I like to be sort of hyper-focused and cause-driven. And I was definitely becoming dissatisfied with the conflict between my desire to advocate for artists and the inevitable choice I had to make between whose interest I was really serving. So what I mean by that is that when push came to shove, if there was a choice uh, as to whose interest I was, be, I was forced to act in, the label or the artist, I had to pick the label. They signed my checks. When I'm untethered from the label, then I'm free to advocate for my artist because that's my fiduciary responsibility. Okay. All right. All right. Respect. So I all, all y'all don't know what the hell you're thinking. You don't know. You don't know everything. You don't know me. You look, don't know my situation. <laughs> look, man, it was just, you know, yeah, we're, we're just looking at it as this way. Money. Yeah. Also, know. you know, you don't need to sleep. You don't need you're sleep. All, <laughs> you're all dazzled <laughs> by the money. Oh, no, it wasn't a time thing. I think I could have, I could have side hustled as far as time goes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Probably. All right. All right. Because when, when you told the story, that's what it came off as originally. I was like, this sounds like a time thing. Oh, no. This sounds no. like such a time thing. <laughs> No, it wasn't. Yeah. And then, you know, also the ability to edit anything else I want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> just don't, just don't, don't make a deep fake of things that I say. Because I know that you kids up, have that ability now. I'm going to cut up, I'm going to cut up your voice. <laughs> you know, say like, uh, I have a big butt and my butt stinks. Uh, you know. You said it, not me. Like um, speaking of which, uh, you know, I know that you, um, you did cash music, which I had, think is looking more into it as like the open source thing. Mm -hmm. And I know you're a very, speaking of which as well, deep fake technology person as well. I admire technology. What are, what are some, some interesting things you think technology, especially arts wise are going to happen into the future? I, you know, oh, you're asking of the, me to be a futurist right now. A little bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, isn't that the fun part about life? You could kind of be like, I think this is what's going to happen. Well, mm -hmm. cause you know, like, mm -hmm. This morning I was reading something and they were like, oh, everything got pushed like five years in the future because of... Because of COVID, because of pandemia. Yeah. yeah, and everything had to be moved online really fast. So mm -hmm. that kind of sped everything up. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know. I I, I, uh, I love expert culture. And so I, I don't want to try to 
portray myself as an authority or an expert because really oh, no, there's truth. no expert or authority in this whatsoever okay, this is good. complete this is complete bullshit yeah well good the, i'm we, glad you feel that way we, the um we, yeah the, i had a conversation about about star wars on one episode of this <laughs> <laughs> well you're not going to have that conversation with me unless it's you telling me the story of star wars um so um, he's a nerd hater. So I'm not a nerd hater. I just he's a nerd hater. I just have nothing to do with 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 Star Wars in my life. Anyway, the the idea. Uh, what I, what what I will say is that nobody nobody can. I mean, I can't know. I'll speak for myself. Right. I can't know. But if I were to, um, if I were to think real hard about things that I see unfolding, I think that the big changes for artists. Are, are not that dissimilar f- from the big changes we're seeing in like higher ed. You know, there's this concept of, you know, this, this idea that people have been saying a lot through the pandemonium, uh, which is, you know, COVID didn't cause problems so much as it reveals them. Mm-hmm. And I think that some of these, um, some of these issues are being accelerated by COVID. But look, this issue of not being able to gather for live music events, that's, you know, that's not something just revealed by COVID. That was caused by COVID. So, so I don't know what a post-COVID reality looks like, but I would hope that we're going to be able to gather again as people in a hot, sweaty room. However, until such a thing is possible. Um, we're going to, we're going to have to solve the problem of how to shrink the marketing cycle into something, um, that, that, that approximates the effectiveness of live music. The reason that I felt, I have always felt that live music is so non-negotiable, you know, having somebody play live is non-negotiable is the efficiency that it brings. I mean, everything crosses over in live performance, you know, so, so let's assume the marketing cycle is to, is, is a, is a three-step cha-cha-cha, right? It's create awareness. It's build a deep emotional connection with an audience. And then it's to monetize that connection in some way. Now that, that monetize doesn't always mean cash, right? It, it can mean, um, you know, attention, which is often the first thing anybody pays you is their Mm. attention, right? They can share with you, uh, some data, their experience or their email address or their cell phone number and share with you their permission to address them about stuff that you have to offer. Or of course it can be, you know, money in exchange for goods and services, right? Now that whole process can take you three years to get done, to create enough awareness and build a deep enough connection and then convert that into something uh, that can take you, you know, three weeks, three months, three years. But if you play live, that process can take 30 minutes. Someone can mm-hmm. walk into a room, have never heard of you before. Now they're aware of you. They see you up on stage doing your thing. They enjoy your tunes and love your style. And they pick up context clues that tell them, damn, this is a person who really shares my core values. I dig this. I am one of these people. People like us like things like this. And that deep emotional connection comes in. And then if you've done your job right, you know, maybe there's a merch table, uh, maybe there's a sign up for an email list or a text list. And you can collect that person as a fan, as a new relationship. Right. So that whole cycle that can take three weeks, three months, three years, it can be shrunk to 30 minutes. And I think we need something else that does that if we're losing 
live performance in a room full of people. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we, we need to focus on things that allow strangers to discover us incidentally due to their preferences and their, and their own, their own affiliations, their own affinities. Right. Um, so those, you know, there's like making sure that you're using Spotify for artists and opting into Spotify curated playlists and things of that nature so that people who may never have heard of you, but are predisposed to enjoying your work can bind themselves to you or at least become aware of you. Gradually, you can, you know, walk, you know, or, you know, work them up the permission ladder until such time as they're an eligible member of your Patreon. Mm hmm which is essentially a, a late form of what we were doing with cash music, you know, mm. a, sort of a subscription offering. And, and so, you know, I think live streaming is part of that. I think Twitch, uh, Twitch for musicians absolutely fascinates me. And, um, and I want to see more of that. I want to see it used in, in more interesting ways. I kind of see this, I see there being this sort of bolting together of solutions like, uh, Twitch, Patreon, community, Hive for email. You know, you probably have all those things working to kind of drive people to your online store. What's Hive? To your to your music on the DSPs. Oh, Hive is like a Hive is like a sort of a turbocharged Mailchimp. Okay. Okay. But you can run. You know, you can use. You know, you can you can run campaigns that have gated content or contests or. Uh, rewards and all kinds of interesting stuff you can do with Hive that, that MailChimp doesn't quite do. So yeah, I'm a huge MailChimp fan, big fanboy of MailChimp, love them. But lately I've been using Hive just because of the the feature set being a little bit more robust. Mm -hmm. I never heard of that, but I heard of every other thing. Hive.co. Hmm. There's a lot of Hives, as you can well imagine, but Hive.co right. is the one I'm talking about. Yeah, because I had a I don't know, because that was one thing that going into this, I had realized, oh, I had told a lot of people, I was like, there's a festival bubble and something's going to pop it. This ended mm -hmm. up popping it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, sure did. And now it's like a thing of people now, in a weird way, it's like the analog of a website getting getting taken down or something like that, of like a platform is no longer available. So now you have to figure out a new way to use it, but, right. you know reality but you know real life so it is one of those things that i can see people trying new innovative stuff and trying to uh i don't like embrace it like it is more of an embracing of technology kind of thing mm -hmm. what, what do you mean exactly what, what do you mean like uh, give me an example of what you're what you're referring to um i mean like the example you give that i was thinking that you gave was like twitch but then also like at least personally i've watch streams basically since twitch was like around like when it was called justin.tv mm -hmm. like i remember going to justin.tv and being like ha 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 yeah. that's funny and that was always like a thing i even remember like watching like in the beginning i was like oh this could be so much more this could be like you know on demand stuff or like mm. how youtube is oh, yeah. but it just doesn't have enough infrastructure or it doesn't have enough push or there isn't enough like accessible technology yeah. i guess is the best yeah. way to put it Aff yeah. or affordable that's the best way to put it affordable well, technology amazon took care of that yeah <laughs> you know so it's one of those things of like i'm seeing the technology start to like try to pick up like it's going back and forth now of like people trying to pick up to like oh these te these technologies are really good mm -hmm. for what we want to do 
but now we have to figure out a way to use it. But even then, mm-hmm. I don't know, for me, when I think about it, I then go into the immediate case of like, oh, what if you then have people just start buying stuff to buy stuff because they're like, oh, it's the new thing. And then that takes away from like the, what is it? The, uh, not structured, but constraint creativity. Uh-huh. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And coming yeah. up with, and like actually coming up with things to make, kind of expand the market and come up with new ways to then, you know, have it where people don't necessarily always have to be touring all the time mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. come up with different, I guess, revenue mo- avenues and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that to be, we have to be honest with ourselves that this is still a workaround. You know, I mean, I think, I think it would be wonderful if even when touring comes back, we're still twitching and everything, that'd be really rad, you know? And I think that, that, that it's an, it's a channel, it's a new, it's another channel. Are we going to, you know, choose not to tour if the, if, if those opportunities are available to us? No problem. Most of us probably won't choose not to tour. We'd probably be delighted to get back on the road and play in front of humans again. Right. But, but we'll, we'll, we'll twitch streams go away no i think they might actually enrich tour life at that point what if i was streaming twitch from the van or what if i was streaming twitch from soundcheck or from backstage Mm -hmm. or from a a meet and greet right i think i think there's these things are bringing more value and more and and more um, utility to our to our lives and i don't think they they'll go away when if and when life goes back to quote unquote normal uh, I think that they just sort of are are helping us. They're they're becoming elements of the new infrastructure with which we live. In my humble opinion, hmm. yeah, and I would agree because it's like I think it's definitely a thing of we'd have to see, like you said, when we people are able to go back on tour and able to do things similar to that, where we can see like, oh, how does it last? Yeah, I guess is the best way to put it because it is kind of like you said, it's like a it's like a band aid over. Yeah, like something that is just working around things until hopefully problems can be fixed. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. I don't, I don't, I don't think that you would be happy to have, I don't think you'd be happy to be using something that you wouldn't want to keep using, mm-hmm. you know? I, so I, I think that the idea is like, if you make your way, you find a way to make, let's say it's Twitch as a musician, you find a way to make Twitch a part of your artist's life. Well, it's, it's because it works. And, 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 and I think that if, if, if life went back to normal, you're not going to like just undo the work you did to establish Twitch as a tool. You're going to use it in, in ways that then serve the current reality, whatever that happens to be. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you think, I mean, doesn't that make more? I would hope. <laughs> yeah. I would hope like that's just a lot of, you know, effort. Cause I, I feel like you would also build skills no matter what, like, you know, mm-hmm. but that is definitely a thing of like, it would not be good to leave an opportunity on the table when you've built it up in this time. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Totally. Oh, I just saw this cause I wrote this. So I just saw that Disney is restructuring and focusing completely number one priority on streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the same similar type of thing, mm-hmm. but like what, as a person who also kind of knows media and entertainment that, at least to me shows that as a company as big as Disney is learning to restructure and focus on Mm -hmm. streaming in general, I feel like that kind of starts solidifying things in media and entertainment as like, okay, we've kind of accepted that we have to go with this. Like we're not going to be able to try to turn the tide of consumers. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I think the, the consumer tail does wag the dog and that's kind of, 
the way it's supposed to be. Right. I, I, I think, I mean, I love Doc Searle's concept of VRM versus CRM. You know, it's not customer relationship management. It should be the customers engaging in vendor relationship management. It should be like, yeah, we're interested in your thing if you do it this way. Yeah, mm. we want, we'd buy something from you if you could provide it without these strings or without this pain in the ass or whatever, right? So I think that's the appropriate dynamic. And so, you know, accessibility versus ownership. Yeah, well, that's been, the writing's been on the wall about that and since friggin', you know, 1998, for God's sake. So, you know, welcome to the party, Disney. But I kind of feel like it's just a change, to, you know, who, whose time has come. Right. It's just like, the the coming of just the time you know like mm -hmm. well there's also you know there's the you know inertia is a bitch you know you, you do things a certain way you're set up to do them a certain way and you just keep going until forced to stop you know why why stop unless you're forced to stop in that case you know especially a company of that size mm -hmm. so you know yeah it takes a long time to turn that ocean liner around and, uh, and, and start to head in another, in another direction. And I think that makes, you know, that's understandable and it's, it's admirable that they finally got there, but let's not be, uh, let's not be attributing them qualities they don't have. They did it in order to survive because, right. you know, because the writing is on the wall, you know, you, you're not going to force a customer to do something they just don't want to do, or, or you're not going to force a customer to hang out with somebody who's just so out of step with the rest of their lives. Yeah. Cause it's like that thing of like, I remember like even early on, like I've like March or February, like early in this year, I was reading something and they were saying how, like they were talking about how, like with Disney plus coming out, they're like, Oh, Disney is okay. And then they like asked Netflix how they felt about it. And Netflix was like, Oh, we're going after the world, bro. Like yeah. we don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like we don't care what the little Disney, like it was, but it was kind of like a, wow, it is like this yeah. newer company being like, now nah, we're not, we're, you're saying we're supposed to keep up with this old dog and this old dog is trying to keep up with us kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not be confused about who's chasing who. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that Netflix is brilliant. Their entire thing was brilliant. I think the whole driving out fear strategy of just getting people comfortable with managing DVD queues online and interacting with the website on a regular basis. And, you know, it wasn't, it, it wasn't called Mailflix, you know, it was called <laughs> Netflix for a reason. They knew where they were going and they knew what they were doing. And, um, and I think that they, that, that the idea of getting people to be comfortable interacting with a website in order to book their time with entertainment was absolutely the right thing to do. They, they knew that very early on and, um, they knew where things were headed and, uh, look, they were, they were right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if they were wrong, yeah. we wouldn't know who the hell they were. Yeah. No, nah, I've, um, I watched an interview with their HR, like their chief HR officer. Mm. And because she wrote a book and because she was talking about just their culture and it is like a wow, they had this planned out from the beginning. Wow, this was very like mm -hmm. point driven. And it was like, nah, they they know what they're kind of like doing. And it is like every like move they've made is it seems very calculated and very like, nope, yeah. we we see where it's the uh, what's the uh, we're going where the puck is, not where the puck yeah. uh yeah. No, no. Where it's going to be, not where it is. Yeah. Where it's it's the be. Yeah, thing. Right. yeah. Skating to where right. the puck's going to be, not where it is. Yeah. Right. And it's like really seeing that. that. And that's, I mean, congratulations, company. You're acting like a human. 
You know, right. we have to do the same things. Yeah, we have to, we all have to do the same stuff. So they're they just they just acted human. I mean, so much of this stuff goes back to the Clue Train Manifesto. I just mentioned Doc Searles, but like it, it's really it's really amazing how prescient the Clue Train Manifesto was. Um, even though you can read it now and and it, and it 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 sounds like a 1999 hairstyle. You know, it kind right. of seems it seems kind of quaint or dorky dad. Yeah. It seems dated or the wording is weird, but it's but, still good. But yeah. But hear through the words and understand the intention and the, the concepts that are being proposed and, and communicated. Mm. And they are, I mean, they are rad. They, they, I mean, they called Twitter eight years before it existed. Um, almost, almost letter for letter, you know, but, but it's like every year that goes by where we kind of devolve into more and more of an ancient bazaar of a marketplace we and become less and less command and control the the more the the, the more forward thinking and and brilliant they they seem and I, I i just trust those guys to to have a a sense of that kind of finger on the pulse you know mhm i think that book is absolutely brilliant and and, and you yeah. could probably just live you know, live with understanding the 95 theses that kind of open the book. I need to reread it. I have not read it in yeah. literally since whenever I took your class, like when I forced year, you to, you your- mean? Yeah. 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 Well, look, I wasn't forced to, I was, I was told to read it if you remember <laughs> and I read it ahead of time yeah. and I was like, Oh, this is a really good book. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, uh, it, it is a worthwhile, it, it's a, it's, it is a worthwhile read for sure. And, and to revisit it once in a while is pretty smart too, because they, because they, they, they did call stuff. They do have a sense of where things were headed. You want to talk about skating to where the puck's going to be. I mean, that's what they were doing in 1999. Mm-hmm. And I'm a sucker for like the golden age of the internet kind of a thing, you know, the dawn of the web and all that stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker for that stuff because it's, it was so altruistic and utopian in its view. Well, it called, well, it really called a lot of, because even like I've looked at some of that stuff and reading like, because I also read like a lot of hackers mm-hmm. like stuff and like mm-hmm. they're thinking and it's like, wow, these people really like they call it like they were in the beginning. So they were able to be like, oh, this would be great. Oh, this would be great if someone could do this. Yeah. And it's like, wow. Yeah, I think it's amazing that we still listen to Jaron Lanier, you know, talking about stuff like Facebook and politics. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's weighing in on things because he was there when this stuff started to be conceived of, let alone executed. Right. You know, and, and, and we're, we're, you know, as we enter into this sort of realm of, of more ubiquity for things like Oculus and VR, um, we're also going to be wading into greater influence of, 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 of uh, deep fakes and things of that nature. I mean, we joked about it early on, but like, but that's going to be a real thing when you can kind of make anything out of video. People, you know, people won't necessarily be able to believe their senses. And that takes us to a new zone, you know? Right. And I'm not, I'm not, a, I, I'm not anti-tech. I'm not, I'm not in any way a Luddite. In fact, if, if, if I were able to sign up for the chip in my head, the biological chip in my head that made it so that I could think a query and get the answer and then own the knowledge, I'd, I'd sign up for that today. Actually, I think I'm pretty, just FYI for people who, who listen, somehow listened to this before. This is the pres- professor who said that, uh, that, uh, he's okay with algorithms knowing whatever he's buying. And he just wants things sent to him. <laughs> I, I mentioned that. I am to you. okay with that within that. a within reason. Within reason, I yeah, am okay. Yeah. It was that. all within reason. I need to yes. be able to govern. You know, I need to be able to kind of manipulate the sliders on that. Right? right. If it goes too far, I need to be able to back it off. But but yeah, I'm I'm 
I'm, I'm into this stuff. I'm, I, I believe that it does make things better, but when you can't believe your senses, I don't know. That's, that's problematic. It's creepy. That's, that's when it gets creepy to me. You know, I mean, <laughs> there's, there's, but then again, I mean, I can see a very good side of that. I could see visiting with your dead relatives in real time. Mm-hmm. You marry your relative's memories to AI and you can sit there and look at a hologram and, and sit and talk to grandma again after she's been dead for 25 years and, and, and ask her for some of her stories and some of her memories and, and connect with her. That would be worthwhile. I think that being able to be at a gig that's not there in terms of VR but make it, you know, wired into your biology so that you feel the presence of people around you. You feel the heat of the room. You feel the vibration of the sound. Your body, for all intents and purposes, is having the same experience, even if it's being stimulated by nodes in your brain. If for all intents and purposes, the experience is the same, then who's to say it's not the same? That's true. I mean, these are things, this is, this is like the same thing of like, you know, then if you get to that point, it brings up the whole question of, are we at a simulation? Because if you can yeah. well, you I, produce I, it, yeah, then my question like, is, what's are, the difference, right? At that point, are we in a simulation? Okay, well, so what? If that's the case, well, then, you know, if, if this is the matrix and we're all wired up to machines, but that's, then that's what it is. So what? I'll take it. <laughs> it's like I'll take it, man. As long as I can summon up I mean, questions you're doing on the a shitty ass <laughs> job on 2020, I'll tell you that much. Unless there's <laughs> some reason that they're trying to turn us off this experience, but yeah, uh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The whole the programming for 2020 is like placed in the hands of a petulant toddler or something. Nah, the, the screenwriters got bored, didn't, don't yeah. you know? <laughs> they had to mix it up. Yeah, I mean, it's like the worst season of Lost at this point. <laughs> but it is though. It's like, uh, uh, let's throw this at the, let's throw this at the dartboard. Let's throw yeah. this at the dartboard. Yeah, now this. That's next. Now this. Hey, how about this? How about a, How about some? Oh, the you know, it's it's the woods, but there's polar bears in there. Oh, okay. <laughs> and they're on fire. It's your, it's your blood system, but they're little bombs in your blood. Mm-hmm.